Hi, this is John, and today on Theocast, we're going to tell you to stop being ambitious. We're going to actually prove to you from Scripture that ambition is a sin, and it's infiltrated not only the Christian life through the American dream, but also the church and even pastors. We hope you enjoy the conversation, and in The Unfiltered, we're going to explain how church planning and ambition actually are counterintuitive, and it actually destroys churches and church planners. We hope you enjoy. A simple way for you to help support Theocast and join the Reformation is by shopping at Amazon. That's right. Everything that you purchase there, they will take a percentage of it and donate it to our ministry. All you have to do is go to smile.amazon.com and then search for Theocast, Inc. and choose us as the supporting donation. To learn more about this and other ways of supporting us, you can go to theocast.org give. Welcome to Theocast, encouraging weary pilgrims to rest in Christ. Our hosts today are John Moffat, pastor of Grace Reformed Church in Spring Hill, Tennessee, Justin Perdue, pastor of Covenant Baptist Church in Asheville, North Carolina, and myself, Jimmy Bueller, pastor of Christ Community Church here in beautiful Wilmer, Minnesota. Gentlemen, it's good to be back on the mic. It's been too long. How are you guys doing? Too long. Good. You ain't lying. You I'm ain't lying. lying. If I'm, if I'm lying, no, I'm crying. Good. Hey, so I've got an important story. You know, Theocast, we try and be as helpful as possible. And not only do we <laughs> want to bring you important theology and cultural thoughts of the day, but we're also going to give you just life hacks, life tips. And here's, here's, my, here's, my, here's my, <laughs> my life hack, my life, life tip for you. Don't let rodents live in your car. Not uh, in yes. it or yeah. underneath it. Come on. Because I just learned today that... Spoken like a true Tennessee. That is. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, had some uh, some squirrels crawl up into my van and start eating on Squirrel. the... Apparently, there's soy-covered o- o- wire, wires. I'm not sure why. Soy-based yeah. wires. And they that, ate them, which then messed up the connection between the computer and my transmission, which my van wouldn't drive. Anyways, $2,600 later. Yeah, man. That is it's the no most joke. expensive squirrel that's going to be killed here very soon. Yeah. Very soon. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so anyways, John, here's the life John, hack. I by feel the way. your pain. Here's the life hack. <laughs> here's the life hack. Apparently, mice and squirrels do not like the smell of peppermint. Like multiple people have told me this and websites. So huh. I'm about to spray my car down with peppermint oil. I don't, I don't there know. There are worse smells. You know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, probably. Yeah, you, yeah. I mean, praise God, it's peppermint oil and not like rotting <laughs> garbage. Yeah, because that would something be something else. No, yeah, John, I feel your garbage pain. would deter rats. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> last last summer, we had a similar phenomena in our van where our our air conditioner was not it was it was not blowing out cold air and it was not pushing out air at the at the rate or speed that we needed it to come to find out after $3,000 of dinking around with the van, a mouse had built a nest in our engine and it was blocking airflow. Unreal. Oh, I know. See rodents. Not lying. I ain't even lying. He ain't even lying folks. That's right. He ain't even lying. Why is James crying? It's the curse. Uh, Because he he just just got 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 a rat's nest. (laughs) 
<laughs> ratted on. So anyway, hey, JP, uh, I don't so have. Why are so you I want to talk. Anyway, we, no, good, I want to talk about something. No good serious. segues. Yeah, do it. I want to talk about Bring something serious. Like for real, it's a heavy week. Do it. Heavy week, because last Sunday was the last like live legitimate football game that will be played until like late August. It's real in my That's world, true. man. Now, you know my wife is, is, man. It's golf season. My wife is actually quite happy about that reality. But I, <laughs> right. I'm always a little bit sad. I'm like, man, oh, and I mean, there are others, there are other sports, you know, that, that can fill the time, but, and it's nothing quite like football. So at least to me. Yeah. So it's a, it's, you know, one of those times where there's a season for everything and now is not the season for football, apparently. So, hey, can I mean, you just, just go think, back and play the 1998 Sony college football game? Isn't that be just as? I mean, one yeah, could right. one could do that, John, but yeah. it's it's not quite the same. Well, just think uh, think how average think how average your Sunday afternoons are going to be on be from now on. That's right. How, just how average they are. Yeah. Hey, did you yeah. think there's the 49ers ever had a chance? Certainly, no, I thought it would be a good game. I'm sort of glad Kansas City won. Really? But I no, I. I agree. My my uh, my Sunday afternoons are going to be relatively ordinary. I probably shouldn't be too ambitious with oh. my plans oh. for oh. Sunday afternoons yes. moving forward. I doom, don't know. doom, doom, yeah. doom. Should you be ambitious at well, all? Yeah, that's right. Well, speaking I mean, John, of that, I'm sure you're going to tell everybody. Yeah, why don't you uh, why don't you fill in the uh, the airwaves? What are we talking about yeah. today? Well, as Theocast always likes to do, we like to take things that we hold dear, that motivate us, that we feel that make us important, that make us acceptable in the eyes of God or in the eyes of the culture or other Christians, and we like to gently pull them out of your hands and then drop them in the middle of the road and let people drive all over them. I mean, well, maybe not like that. <laughs> maybe not quite that. <laughs> Certainly a way to say that. <laughs> we are talking about ambition today. And mm-hmm. this is definitely something that has been turning over in my mind. I know all three of us, this is a conversation we've had in the past and just interacting with the culture and understanding how it is that Christians should view their life. And we felt like this is a little bit more of a pointed conversation to what the three of us have been hinting at over the last few episodes as it relates to the Christian and the relationship to the church and then their relationship to their family, and then their relationship to the community that, around, that is around them. So we're going to talk about the Christian and ambition. And I'm, I'm not going to hide, I'm not going to bury the lead. I'm going to go ahead and just say it up front, and then the three of us will help explain what do we mean by this. We three hold that the concept that America presents to humanity this idea of the ambitious person is actually contrary, not only to scripture, but very contrary to the gospel. And we would say that actually we're going to argue that scripture would call someone who is ambitious sinful. Now, I already know, and you guys have already heard this when you present this to people, all of these things are going off in people's brains, right? And are you saying that I can hear I can hear the Twitterverse imploding right now. <laughs> yeah, like people right, and people on various social media platforms are jumping off the figurative rooftops. That's right, after what right. you yeah. just said. Right, because yeah, they assume the opposite mad. of ambition is laziness, which is exactly. not what we mean. 
So, gentlemen, that's the setup. Why is it that we would say, first of all, when we say ambition is sinful and the opposite of that is not laziness, explain what I mean by that. And then number two, we will then get into what is it about the concept of ambition? We probably need to clarify what we mean by that, the concept of ambition, and why do we think it's sinful? I can take a swing at that, JP, if you don't go mind. Go for it. Yeah, go for it, brother. No, I when I hear when I hear you use that that phraseology, John, something that comes to mind, at least the first phrase that comes to my mind is this whole idea that we are the waters that we swim in here in the United States is this idea of self-sufficiency, pull oneself up by your bootstraps, get your act together, you you have a dream, go chase it, go accomplish, go complete it. And not that, don't hear what we're not saying, that we're not saying that having goals or having dreams or having ambitions, those things are necessarily wrong in and of themselves. But I think rather, perhaps the eye we're trying to poke, the thing that we're trying to kind of deconstruct here a little bit this afternoon is this whole idea that we need to make something of ourselves, that the goal of our life, the goal of the Christian is to make yourself special, to to be ahead above the rest, to have all of these ambitions and and, and so often the pitfalls that come with that. And I don't want to begin to address all of those because I want to share the love. So JP, do you want to jump on that and add a little bit? Yeah, I'll jump on that, Jimmy. It's important for us to know historically even, so even outside of the scriptural witness, that it's only been in very recent history that the notion of somebody being ambitious would have been viewed as a good thing. I mean, even historically speaking, ambition has been viewed as a negative thing. And that's not unique to Christianity, though I I think as we're going to unpack today, the, the Christian perspective, the biblical perspective, is that ambition is is sin. Because wrapped up in what we mean by ambition is certainly, as Jimmy articulated, a a very innate, intense desire to make something of yourself, to become great, to become known. And honestly, it's it's often for selfish gain. It is because I'm trying to become something great for my own sake. And yeah, indirectly other people might benefit, but really what this is about is making a name for myself and accomplishing great things that I will be remembered for, etc. And that's really what we want to, I think, drive this down on a wedge on is that perspective that is inherently self-absorbed when we talk about ambition. And that's obviously a problem. When it, when it comes to what Scripture teaches us about how we are not only to live before God, but to live with one another in the church and in the community. Yeah, I think some helpful examples here of what we're trying to get at, and just to add on to what Justin just said, is the person who—and we've all said it—we see someone who works hard, who is dedicated, who puts in more effort, who puts in more time. And what they are trying to show is that if I'm going to get ahead in life— get ahead of everyone else. When we say get ahead in life, I'm going to have to do more than anyone else is willing to do. And I'm going to have to, if I'm going to reach my goals of whatever it is, it is. And some people, it is fame, it's money. um, It is uh, a position, an an area. 
and the 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 what we're getting at what you normally label that person as is what oh boy man they're ambitious you're connecting right. it with their sacrifice is connected to their goal right um and so i know jp you wanted to add something yeah well just one other thing ambition as it's historically been defined and as we are going to define it today is grounded in love of self and as opposed to love of neighbor and love of others, which is what we are called to. So that's a really important distinction for the listener to understand. We're not saying that to work hard is bad. We're not saying that to be driven is bad. We're not saying that to have a good work ethic and be responsible and all those things and to be a quote unquote go-getter are bad. Of course, we're not saying that. But the issue is one of the heart and where this is coming from. So that's, that's really at the at the heart of the matter to, to use that language yeah. figuratively. Yeah. Right. It's, it's about self-success for the sake of self. A great example of this is the American workforce. You have, depending on, I've worked in some large areas. I've worked in a large hospital, I worked for Stanford hospital for several years. I worked for Apple for several years. So I had these areas where you have these multiple hierarchies and I, you know, I worked myself up in the hospital. I worked myself up in, in seminary, uh, in, in Apple, uh, working in a retail store as a manager and ambition looks like this. I will step on backbite and, and basically turn on anybody I need to, to get to the next level, to get to where I want to be, to get where I need to be. And unfortunately, the people who are the most successful the hierarchies look down and say, we want ambitious people because ambitious people get stuff done. They work harder, they work longer, and often they're mean and nasty. And what's, what's hard about this is that when you look at the heart of a Christian and what's been called of a Christian, we aren't, we aren't told not to succeed. We aren't told to work for the promotion. We aren't told to not expand, but we don't ever do it at the, ex, at the exception of someone else. And as a matter of fact, to, to, to make the opposite, um, to, to show you what the opposite is, the opposite of ambition is a servant attitude. It's one who's willing to do what's best and right and loving for those who are around them. Right. And they put themselves second before they put themselves first. And this is what's so counterintuitive because the American dream is all about your dream what you want to accomplish with your ambition, with your goals in mind, and whatever it is is going to... And I'm going to... Look, I'm going to step on some toes here, but I see this. You can see this in marriage. You can see this in child-rearing to where your family, your children, even your spouse, your marriage becomes second and will suffer because it's getting in the way of your ambition or your dream or your goal. Right. So I'll, I'll just throw that. I'll throw that out there and let you guys comment on that. Jimmy, go ahead. Yeah, dude. I think that's... Yeah, that's important to note, John. And we talked about this a little bit at our, at our men's group at our church, kind of this idea of we can we can take these words like ambition or drive or whatever it may be, and you, you begin to whitewash them where it's it's you make them look good and you, and you justify them to the world out, outside of you of you know, my drive and my ambition and the, the things that I want to accomplish, uh, it doesn't matter who I step on. It doesn't matter who I sin against. It doesn't matter what compromises I have to make personally against my own integrity, uh, as long as I can get that end goal accomplished. 
which here's the thing. When is it ever going to be enough? Like when are, right. when are you going to, I, I was just speaking about this last week to our church, preaching through first Corinthians where in first Corinthians seven, Paul begins to even lay out this idea of contentment. You know, if I could just have this relationship figured out in this way, if I could just have this figured out in this way, or if I could just be this and not this, then I would be content. Well, in reality, there's always this perpetual, the grass is always greener just beyond my own horizon that I have to go Mm -hmm. and reach. And so I think one of you wanted to jump in there, and so I'll I'll pass the ball. I I have a number of thoughts. I'm not going to give them all to everybody at once, so don't worry about that. (laughs) Uh, Just a couple of things that I, I want to jump on here for a minute. It's interesting to me in the church how we will often like try to baptize ambition. We'll we'll talk about uh, all these things like for the sake of Christ. I, I'm doing this almost in Jesus' name, you know. Yeah, no, um, yeah. absolutely. Where you know, for the sake of Jesus, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z, and and anybody that is a hindrance there is more or less almost in the way of what God plans to do with me and through me for other people and all this. And so just a brief word about the marriage piece. John, you mentioned this. For all the 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 dudes out there listening to this who are married, and if if any of you guys especially are aspiring to ministry, you need to own and embrace the fact that God has given you your wife not to hinder you, but to guide you. And I, I can't tell you how many times you hear dudes talk about ministry and goals and things they want to accomplish for the sake of Jesus. And they'll talk about their wives as though they are the great, you know, millstone around their necks that's hindering them from being able to accomplish all these things for the kingdom of God. And and it's absolutely ridiculous. And it's like, brother, you need to pump the brakes and calm down for a moment and realize that you have been called to, to love your wife and love your family. And those things in no way are a hindrance to what you would do for the Lord. But this just is a demonstration. That's that's more an anecdotal example of how absurd we can be in the church. And that whole zealous, I've got, I have to do these things for God is really what we're driving at here. And it's it's from hell. It's not from from Christ. Go ahead, John. No. And it's definitely a pressure within our culture. I mean, th- there is a, there's a push for the the type A ambitious, go get it done, be that person, be the entrepreneur. Um, I, I have an entrepreneurial spirit at heart, and I know I get around people who don't. And I can feel the they they can feel this intimidation of like, well, the real American is the one who starts his own company. The real American is the one who won't work for the man. He goes out and makes himself a millionaire. And what's your goal? Are, why don't you want to work for yourself? What do you mean you want to be a factory worker? What do you mean you're okay with your job making 50 a year? Why don't you want to make 500,000? I mean, it's like, what's wrong with you if you're not trying to expand yourself? And my wife and I were talking about this. The pressure on women is unbelievable. Oh, it is unbelievable. She, 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 my wife's a stay home mom. She, she has a master's and nursing. She has her, and she is a brilliant nurse. Uh, she's taken a break for the last seven years to help raise our children. And she said that in this conversation, when she was talking with some of the women about this in a recent women's Bible study, 
that there was this massive sigh of relief because every woman there said, yes, we feel it. Like we're supposed to have some side hustle. What's our next dream? Are we going to try and write a book? Are we going to try and write a blog? Are we going to start up a hard There's this pressure to make something out of yourself more than wife, mom, neighbor, and church member. Like you, you have right. to make yourself more than what that is. We are excited to announce that we have a new free ebook available at our website called Faith versus Faithfulness, a primer on rest. And we, the host, put this together to explain the difference between emphasizing one's faith in Christ versus emphasizing one's faithfulness to Christ, and how one leads to rest and how the other often to a lack of assurance. And you can get this at theocast.org slash primer. And if you've been encouraged by what you've been hearing at Theocast, we'd ask you to help partner with us. You can do that by joining our Total Access membership. That's our monthly membership that gives you access to all of our material that we've produced over the last four years, or simply by donating to our ministry. And you can do that by going to our website, theocast.org. We hope that you enjoy the rest of the conversation. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm glad that... Um... Justin, you br- you brought up this idea of ambition in the church world, and you know, since serving in churches since 2011, and just being around a lot of different church ministry contexts, ambition and drive and j- just high success goal oriented, you know, all these sorts of random metrics that we use to w- what marks a successful church. Uh, just being inundated with those for so much of my ministry career. And we almost have this, this averse attitude that we must resist anything that appears boring or ordinary or not flashy. And, and, and frankly, I mean, you could just get on any church website, probably in your area, and they probably have some sort of video where they're, it's high energy music and it's pump up and there's always like a bouncy house or something because that just screams relevancy for church, where it's like <laughs> they show, and we, we show these these big, grand worship settings and lights and, and things like that, because if we're not, and how many times have you guys heard this, even in the church planting world, if you're not growing, you're dying. Uh, uh. You know, and sure. I just, I mean, being on the front end of church planting things, how many times people have asked me, oh, you're, you're church planting. You, you must be really ambitious or you must have a mm-hmm. lot of drive. And, and mm-hmm. frankly, this is a conversation that my wife and I have. Uh, I'm actually just a lot more laid back as a person. And I certainly pray to the Lord that I am not planting a church and we are not planting a church with these core families because I have a lot of drive and ambition because that is actually one of the fastest ways to yeah, destroy people is well. Yeah, God help all of you if that's the if that's the drive. Right. Yeah, Seriously. I mean, God help Christ Community Church if we're planting this church because Jimmy Bueller is full of ambition. Because often, right. ambition, and we're using that again in a negative sense. What that means is you're just going to burn through volunteers. You're going to burn through people. Mm-hmm. You're going to burn through relationships because the goal is always this nebulous, bigger, better, flashier rather than ordinary, pointing people to Jesus, relational, probably slow, not flashy, oriented ministry. Yeah. So truth 
in advertising for all of us as fallen human beings and Adam, there's always going to be mixed motivations in everything that we do. Everything's tainted with sin. We're not saying that anybody's ever going to be able to do anything from a perfect heart posture where you're not motivated in any way for your own renown or your own gain or anything like that. It's not what we're saying. But I just wanted to turn us to Scripture and think about how Jesus interacts with his disciples. So if, if we're going to talk about being great and making something of ourselves and being a big deal and all this kind of stuff in Jesus' name, I, friend, I think Jesus would take issue with you. Because I can think of two scenarios off the top of my head in the gospel accounts where Jesus is interacting with his disciples over things like this. One is when he has sent the disciples out to preach and they come back to him and they're all excited about all of these things that they did in his name. Like, Lord, you won't believe it. Like all of this stuff was happening when we were preaching and doing what you sent us out to do. And he tells them, do not rejoice in those things, but rejoice in the fact that your names are written in heaven. Like right. he, he immediately cuts their legs out from under them and is like, you have missed the point. Like you need not get geeked up over all these great things that you have supposedly done in my name. You should be ecstatic about the fact that you have been adopted as a child of God and that your name is written in heaven. That's an incredibly instructive piece for all of us. The second one is at multiple points in the gospels, the disciples argue amongst themselves about who's the greatest (laughs) And who's going to have the primary places in terms of seating next to Jesus and in, in his kingdom and all this stuff. And every time that that happens, Jesus immediately pivots it on them. He usually brings a child into their midst and starts to talk to them about what the kingdom of God is really like, how the last shall be first and the first shall be last. And those who will be great in my kingdom are servants of other people, just like I came not to be served, but to serve and give my life as a ransom for many. And so Jesus is against ambition as we are describing it today. John, please jump in. Jimmy, I just want to jump on that and, and jump over to Paul. And Paul says that as pointed as, as, as you possibly can make it in Philippians chapter two, verse three, he says, do nothing from, and I'm glad he clarifies ambition. He says, do nothing from selfish ambition right, Right. or conceit or conceit, right? I mean, it's, it's, and then here's the, it's not just don't do this. It's not, hey, don't do this. Paul says the opposite of this, but in humility, count others more Mm -hmm. significant than yourself. Well, Paul, how do you count someone more significant than you? Well, he explains, let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. So when you think about your energy and what is it you're putting your time and effort into, it is. It goes back to the two commands, right? Love God, love your neighbor. Your energy is spent in making sure that you're caring for, and, and, I, and that doesn't mean church only, because when you're at your work, you need to be caring for and loving and sharing the gospel truth. You may not be able to share it in word yet, but you can share it in deed, because Jesus says you are the, sight, the, the, the salt and light of the world. So the way that you, with your words and with your kindness, towards the interest of others, not stepping on them for your own advantage, not using them for your own advantage. That doesn't mean you can't start your own company. You can't uh, increase your job, become the CEO. None of that doesn't mean that. It just says don't do it at the expense of others, but do it while loving others. Yeah. Yeah, there's something that we've been walking through just in the New Testament class that I teach with sophomore high school students where we talk about the hiddenness of Jesus. And so often in the gospel accounts, what you see is Jesus does this miraculous work. And then what does he do? He gets up on out of there. 
you know, he doesn't, mm-hmm. he doesn't want to, <laughs> he just kind of escapes and he goes yeah. to a desolate or, place to Or he tells to them, don't, don't tell anybody what I've done. Don't yeah, tell don't, Yeah, exactly this. right. Because he has and, a mission to accomplish. Yeah. Very true. And, and one of the things we've been talking about as a class is just the hiddenness of the, of the Christian life, where over and over again, one of the things you see in Paul's letters is he instructs them. He says, hey, pray for those around you. Pray for your government leaders that you may just live a quiet and gentle and peaceful life. Yes. That, yes. And, and, and what, a, what an incredible backwards and upside down thing than that we have been taught where it's we want to be bigger and better and more successful and more driven where one of the things that you see, and even what you were talking about, Justin, where Jesus turns to those disciples, says, can you, are you ready to be baptized like I've been baptized? And and how many of them thought, yeah, how many of them have thought, well, I saw him go in the water. I I think I can do that. Where, what is, what is Christ talking about? Are are you ready to be crucified and tortured and beaten like I am going to be? And the answer and is bear a, the wrath of God and all that. Right. No, no. And so, I, I man, it is so, I, I just see this so much as a, as a plague on, on Christians and, 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 and just a, a culture of churches where this drive and ambition and this desire just to grow and be big for growth and, and bigness sake. It's so often at the expense of relationships and unity right. and joy and a Christ-centeredness within in the body, uh, because again, the end goal is just this nebulous growth, worldly metric that we just have to be big, and we have to we have to get our name out there and our and our fame out there, and people need to know us for this and that and whatever else. And what does Paul say? I've decided to know nothing among you except Christ and Him crucified. That's a hidden. That's good. That's a hidden life right there. That's right. In this whole conversation, I think we might be remiss if we don't bring up the the theological concepts of theology of the cross versus theology of glory, because inevitably, the ambitious perspective is one that is a theology of glory. It's one of advancement. It's one of betterment. It's one of, I'm going to be something. I'm going to be strong, not weak. I'm going to be great, not small. And in reality, what the Bible teaches all of us is that before God, we in fact are very weak and we are quite small and we are not going to be great and we are not going to be strong until the resurrection ultimately. Now, yeah, and, and the whole deal here is that the Christian life we talk about all the time is it's identity forward. Well, our identity is that we are in Christ Jesus. Our names have been written in the Lamb's book of life. That's the starting place. And then the goal of the believer as we relate to God is to walk before God in humility and gratitude. You know, and so this, the idea, like even I'm thinking of Micah 6, right? Where, you know, we have the, the great commandment in the second that's like it. Well, in Micah 6, 8, there's some pretty cool words there about from the prophet to the people of Israel, the Lord has told you what he requires. It's that you love justice, you know, you do justice, you love kindness, and you walk humbly before your God. And the whole walk humbly before your God with a heart full of gratitude flies in the face of this whole ambition thing where I'm going to become big and great and do something. You know, I am going to do something and I'm going to be something before God. We all have this sort of innate desire to 
prove our worth and our merit even before the Lord as though these things that we're going to do, he's going to look down and he's really going to be pleased with me if I do A, B, or C. And we at Theocast just want to come in from the top turnbuckle and blow that nonsense up. And we, we want to wrestle <laughs> that stupidity from people's hands. Like, seriously, like you will not be great. You will not be strong this side of heaven. And we can boast all the more in our weaknesses because we are in Christ Jesus and he is sufficient. Anyway. Amen. Well, just to even quote Paul, Paul, Paul admits he's one of the weakest men that he knows, yes. not only sinfully, but yes. just, just in general. And he, and he talks about even asking God to help him with his weakness. And Jesus says, no. And then Paul quotes Jesus saying, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made right. perfect. Second Corinthians 12, not yeah. in your ambition. Oh, man, look how wonderful. I mean, sometimes we have these famous people who are really strong personalities, and they come to Christ, and we're all excited about them um, coming to Christ, and, oh, they're going to be such a great you know, witness for Christ. And I look at that and I go, mm, no, well, maybe God, God, maybe God, God can use a popper and God can use a president, Word. but it's always God. <laughs> this is why right. the, this is why we're told that it's impossible to please him without faith. And so if your faith is in yeah. your ambition, like if I work really hard and I accomplish all of this, then God, I will do much for God. And, and I hear people say this, well, if I have this business, then I can make a lot of money for God. And well, you could. Um, and I know of guys that I'm, I pray that they go out and make a lot of money because I know that they will absolutely do and that. Be generous Not, with it. Oh man, they already are generous. They don't make a lot of money now. That's how I know they'll be generous because they're generous right. now. I always That's tell right. someone, if you're not generous now, what makes you think you're going to be generous when you have more money? Be generous now. Right. Um, but yeah. one of the things I wanted to say is, listen, I want to be very clear here. I don't, I don't, if we can, if we, if somebody can increase their impact or somehow increase their reach, we are trying to do this in our churches. We are trying to increase our reach, not so we can make a name for ourselves. We want more people to find rest in Christ. Amen. To enjoy the glories of Christ. Yeah. And I would say this is true of Theocast. We would mm -hmm. love if the Lord wills and this is what he wants. Our ambition is that more people are able to hear and read what we have to say so that more people find rest in Christ. And so we actually do what we can. And we're not, I would not say that <laughs> you can't be upon the mic on Theocast and be ambitious because you're going to be disappointed very quickly. <laughs> there's, right. there's not a lot of ben Massive. benefit for these guys. <laughs> Mm -hmm. I we take have up made, their time. We have made tens and <laughs> I take tens up their of time dollars. And money. <laughs> that's right. uh, yeah, I take their time and money uh, because that's what it requires to do this. And my point of it is, is that I am not against people growing ministries and, and growing opportunities. If you can then turn those for the absolute purpose of helping people, by all means, I pray God blesses those and and that they expand. Uh, but that's that we're getting at a heart issue, not an action issue. I think two people can do the same thing, right? You can have two guys sure. working side by side and, and, and in an assembly line, and one is ambitious and one is loving. One is purely going to do whatever it takes to get out of the assembly line, and the other one's going to do, if he would like to move up, he'd like to get out of the assembly line too, but he's going to do it through love and kindness and the interest of others. Right. Well, I wanted to jump in, John, really quickly. You were referencing Paul's language about himself. You know, he'll often refer to himself as the the chief of sinners, and you know, uh, 
Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I'm the foremost and all that. And I don't think the apostle Paul is using that as just some sort of rhetorical, rhetorical flourish. I mean, I think he's sincere right. in his own estimation of himself, which is partly what we're driving at is if we think highly of ourselves or what we're going to accomplish, we are headed in a bad direction. And just to, to piggyback briefly too, John, on what you were talking about with growth and all, growth is not bad. I mean, don't, don't hear what we're not saying, as Jimmy often will, will say. I mean, we're three guys pastoring churches, and we're praying for growth, not just numerical growth, but growth in health and all kinds of things, and growth in love and unity and, and all the rest. But it's one of the great joys of my life, sincerely, when people come into our church context, and they sit under the teaching, and they get to know people, and they look at you, and they have that moment where it's starting to click, and they're like, oh my gosh, Like I never knew this existed. And this kind of joy and peace and safety that, that I now know I have in Jesus has changed my life. That's why we're in ministry, you know? And so, yeah, do, do I hope, you know, we're pursuing a new facility and all kinds of things. It's much bigger than the one we're meeting in now and all these kinds of things. Is that, is that for a bad purpose? I trust not. I trust it's for a good reason because we're trying to impact more people here in the city and, and I pray the Lord blesses it so that more people, like you said, John, come to know the sufficiency of Christ and the rest and the peace and the joy that brings. And it's amazing what it does in a group of people who know they're safe and secure and take their eyes off of themselves and their own ambition and their own performance. They're, they will love the heck out of each other. And right. why would we not want people to be a part of that? You know? Yeah. So. I'm going to, I'm going to, I know I've talked to both of you about this. So I know that you both have these experiences, even Jimmy in, in the, uh, I guess about a year now, you guys have been working with your, your core families. Um, is that right? About a year. That's, that's right, man. Just about. Wow. Man. <laughs> that's crazy. Time clicks by. <laughs> yeah, it does. Time um, flies. We all in our churches, I, 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 as soon as I start talking this, their faces are going to start coming before your eyes. Uh, before your mind, the, these people who n- no one ever sees them, no one ever mm. hears them. Yeah, man. No one, no one. I know where you're going. Knows what they do. That's right. They are the quiet servants who do absolutely everything. They think of it yep. beforehand. They prep of it. They are just those people in the background that they don't really want anybody to know because that's not why they do it. And they're not even that people like, well, I, I, I don't want anybody to know this. They do this <laughs> because they just love people and they want to help. Yeah. That's why they're there. That's why the, they're there. Those are the heroes in the church, those kinds of people. Yeah, they are. But Indeed. on contrast of that, we say heroes are those people that have the missionary biographies, the heroes, those. And I, right. I'm like, the, look, those are necessary people, and that's great. Sure. They aren't the heroes. Yeah, the heroes yeah. are the people that serve faithfully in the mundane and do all the things that nobody would ever notice unless they weren't done. And then, yeah. and then everything starts falling apart. And they never, yep. they never ask for any recognition. They're just happy to be there and happy to serve. And, oh, man, yep. people like that are phenomenal. For pastors, yeah. well, for and the I, local church, and I will just say, I will just say, th- those those people within within my church, um, and and frankly, I, I I think all the people in my church are like this right now. But those are the people that when they have a concern or a critique, those are the people that I'm going to listen to, and those are the people that my time gets devoted to because I see them so faithfully 
and our core families have just been so wonderful over the past six months and just supporting me and my wife and our church and um, doing doing something that's just kind of rather scary uh, in a lot of ways in church planting. When you, when you set out to plant a church as core families, you almost put your reputation on the line because we have within us, and, I, and I'd, I'd really love to talk about this a little bit more in the Unfiltered or our members podcast, uh, because when you, when you go out, it's scary, man. Like you're, you're, you're putting together a church, you're putting together bylaws, you're putting together systems and structures and people and relationships and things like that. And in and, and so many ways, because of the, all the nonsense and hoopla around the evangelical church planting world, there is so much pressure, and you put you put a lot of your your name and reputation on the line because we have all of these unrealistic expectations sure. about church planting. You know, if you're not growing, you're you're dying, and if you haven't doubled by this amount, or if you're not financially sustainable by yeah. this year, you might as well. And it's just a bunch of ugh, whatever. But our our core families in our church have just been so wonderful in faithfully serving behind the scenes. Um, and I love when we have people that walk through our doors and the first thing that they compliment has nothing to do with me as the pastor, but it's something that they see in our body. And I'm like, all right, we, I think we're, do, I think we're doing this right. Um, That's good. that they are, they are, you know, we've had a, a, a newer couple begin coming very regularly. And, you know, he just said, we, we just love the the community here and the safety here and the openness here and the relationships here. And I'm like, man, I just love that none of those had anything to do with me <laughs> because like I could get yeah. hit by a bus, but this church will go on because of the no, faithful right. love and service of those saints. So, Well, I'll tell you this. I, I know this for a fact because I sat down with every single one of Jimmy's uh, church members before we launched them. The compliment that they did give Jimmy was that, oh yeah, he shepherds us. And if that's what someone yeah, says that. about a pastor, I'm in. I'm in no, on that's that. That's right. <laughs> so, hey JP, one last thing. I think you had something, and then I'm gonna I'm gonna give us something to think about as we go into the membership. Nothing pointed. I, I'm ready to to jump over to the member section to talk more about the church okay. planning piece. But I, I agree. I will say this much that I think you know this is not directly related to our topic. I don't guess, but it's related to something Jimmy said. You know that things are going well in a church when people come and visit. And their, their reaction is not so much about the lead pastor or even the preaching, though that matters, of course. But they're like, man, I, I just, I felt loved. I felt welcomed. I felt safe. When, when people say those things, then you know that you're, you're on the right track because the people of the church are, have bought into the culture and understand that they get the gospel. They're looking to Christ and, and they are eager to welcome other people weary saints and, and weary pilgrims into the fellowship. And, uh, it's a really sweet thing to see. So, yeah. Well, just, uh, one of the connections that I wanted to make, and unfortunately we did run out of time here is contrasting ambition with the gospel. Uh, what happens just to, to, we will leave this. And, and I know that we can expand this more when we get into the membership section, but the gospel tells you that it doesn't matter what you accomplish in this life. If you are the thief That's on right. the cross and you die after confession, <laughs> you are just as yep. precious and special to the Father as the Apostle Paul. You're, you're just know, as legitimate. <laughs> That's right. And I know our brains say, no, that's not, no, that John, 
Not really. Yeah, absolutely. And listen, Paul accomplished what he did because of the power of the Spirit and because God regenerated his heart. Uh, Let's give praise where praise is due. What what makes someone legit is is the fact that they have trusted Christ. I mean, for real. You know, and, and it's it's not absolutely what you've done in Jesus' name. It's have you trusted the Son? If you That's have, right. then you're legit. That's right. So, a couple of books I would say that I know that all three of us have read these, and I would say that these books have kind of formulated these thoughts for us. Uh, first of all, we've mentioned this book before, "Ordinary" by Michael Horton. Brilliant book, yes, super helpful. Book. Uh, almost the whole book would be almost. Another way of rephrasing that, uh, David Zoll's book on seculosity, he has a chapter in there on busyness and your identity, uh, very much kind of hitting at the heart of this. And then also Chad's bird book, Chad, sorry, Chad Bird's book, Upside Down Spirituality, uh, has multiple chapters that kind of speak to this. Uh, so if you kind of want to dive into that more, I would say pick one of those up and you will be directed to the gospel in doing that. We are going to go ahead and continue. I know that there's a couple of thoughts that you guys have. Um, we have a we have a, a a premium podcast. Yeah, we have a premium podcast. This is how we fund Theocast and how we continue to grow it. But it also gives us opportunity to speak more pointedly, kind of give the the footnotes and the nerdiness of our thoughts uh, for the next 20, 30 minutes over in our membership podcast. You can go to our website and sign up for a free trial for that if you'd like. Thank you for listening, and we will see you next week.